All right, so today's daf is daf Lamed Aleph, page 31, Nehelegim Meseches Nedar, and we pick up on the very top, <coughs> excuse me, of daf Lamed Aleph, Amud Aleph, 31a. Here we go, fascinating, uh, really fascinating daf ahead of us with a number of Mishnayis, and then as we turn to Amud Beis, we're going to enter a blot and a half of some interesting Agatha Gemara's, Drushas, and some really fascinating, uh, really fascinating stuff. Today's daf is going to connect very much to our Parsha, uh, tonight's Parsha, Parsha's Toldos, as well. Here we go. Hanaydar may Taishvei Shabbos. The person says, I'm going to forbid myself and benefit from anybody who is Shimer Shabbos. I'm not going to benefit from people who keep Shabbos. Guess what? Usr mi Yisrael v'usr bakusim. Any Jew, you're not allowed to benefit from, because every Jew is obligated to keep Shabbos. And Kusim as well, who kept Shabbos, and were obligated to keep Shabbos, they kept uh, specifically Teresh HaBiksav, some of Teresh mostly Teresh HaBiksav, so uh, the written Torah. So also it's forbidden to benefit from a Kusi, just to remind ourselves of who a Kusi was. A Kusi, or these people, um, from the land of Kusa, who came to convert uh, to Klal Yisrael out of fear, but they didn't fully really give up on their Avay Dezara, and it led to a whole outbreak of lions in Eretz Yisrael, Lagansa Maisa, a whole story. But ultimately, they, they, they primarily kept Tyre Shebeksav. Okay. Now, if a person says, I'm not going to benefit from anybody who eats garlic. Now, the Mepharshim explain here that garlic was what we'll call, or maybe is, what we'll call a male stimulant, okay? It's something that people eat specifically on Shabbos, on Friday night, when there's a mitzvah for couples to be together. So a person says, I'm, I'm refraining from getting benefit from people who are eichle shum, people who fulfill this mitzvah of husband-wife relationships on Shabbos. Allah is, asr b'yisrael v'asr b'kusim. It's also forbidden to uh, get benefit from Yisrael, and it's forbidden to get benefit from a kusi. What if somebody says, I'm not going to benefit from anybody who makes aliyah to Yerushalayim, okay, not become a citizen of the state of Israel, but somebody goes up uh, to, to, to Yerushalayim, which is the center point, center point of the universe. Asr b'yisrael, you're not allowed to benefit from a Jew because Jews are expected to go up to Yerushalayim. However, umutr bekusim, because mutter uh, in kusim. Now the Ron explains because kusim weren't makbid on the on this mitzvah. Yeah, they they uh, you know they, they didn't use Yerushalayim uh, as the center point of their universe. Okay, says the Gemara. Very interesting Mishnah. Again, so a person says Taish Shabbos, all Jews you're not allowed to benefit from. Person uh, including kusim. A person says, also, not allowed to benefit uh, from Yisrael and Kusim. However, you're allowed to benefit from Kusim, but not Yisrael. Says the Gemara. My Shavsei Shabbos. What does it mean when a guy says, I'm forbidding benefit from those who rest on Shabbos? Shavsei, those who stop on Shabbos, which we, we translate it as Shemir Shabbos. Elaim, if you're going to say, Shabbos, anybody who keeps the Shabbos, says the Gemara, I don't understand. My area bakusim. Why do you got to give a specific category? Even if you have a guy who keeps Shabbos, now he's not he's not supposed to, he's not allowed to. Okay, but let's say you have a guy. Why don't we say anybody who keeps the laws of Shabbos, you're not allowed to benefit from them. That's what they're doing, and that's what his word said. Ella, rather, what it means is mimitzuyim al hashabbos. A person who's mimitzuvim, a person who has a commandment of keeping Shabbos. Oh. So a, a guy might keep Shabbos. 
Yeah, you know that joke. There's a, there's somebody going through conversion. The Allah is when you're going through conversion, you you're not allowed to keep Shabbos, right? So we tell them do one one chil Shabbos. You got to practice and get used to it. You're supposed to do one chil Shabbos. So the joke goes that there was a there was a, a non-Jew who was who was going through conversion, and um, one of his friends asked him, "No, what do you do to be Michal Shabbos? What do you do?" So he says, he says, um, I carry my keys to shul. His friend says, the Yid says, it's not Chil Shabbos. There's an Eruv. He says, yeah, but I don't hold by the Eruv. He says, oh, he, he's already a good Yid. You know, he's, already, he's already not holding by things. Okay, very good. That's his, that's his Zach. He's already not holding by the Eruv. Good. So, but a guy could keep the laws of Shabbos. But if you're not commanded to do it, you're not included in this. That's what, that's what the intention was at the time of the nether. Okay. Ask the Gemara, if so, say the end of the Mishnah, if a person says, I'm forbidding myself to benefit from those who go up to Yerushalayim, you're not allowed to benefit from Yidin, but you are permitted to benefit from Kusim. These Kusim are commanded to go up. Whether or not they go up doesn't matter. If it's all about the commandment, they're commanded to go up. Our mission is dealing with a situation where within the nether, what the guy means is, I'm including somebody who's commanded and follows the command. So in the first cases of the Mishnah Yisrael, the Kusim, Mitzvah, Vaisim. Right, by Shabbos and by Eichlei Shum, which there's an obligation for couples to be together at least once a week, uh, you know, um, ideally on Friday night, on Shabbos, so therefore, both Yisraelim and Kusim are, are commanded. But when it comes to non-Jews, some of them do it, but they're not commanded to do it. And as far as going up to Yerushalayim, Yisrael Metzuvim Va'isim, a Yid is Metzuvah, and he goes up. Kusim Metzuvim and a Kusi is commanded to go up. However, but they don't, and therefore they're not included in the nether. Hence, if he says, I'm forbidding benefit from anybody who's from the Eile Yerushalayim, we're going to say, listen, what you mean is people are commanded and do it. That's a regular Yisrael. A kusi, you're still permitted to benefit from. Beautiful. Okay. Clarified. Next Mishnah. A person says, I'm making a kainam again, an expression of a nether, expression of a vow, that I will not benefit from b'nei noyach, children of noyach. Now, let me ask you a question. After the mabel, who was left? Noyach and his mishbuche. Everybody alive comes from Nayach. Mutter be Yisrael, v'asr b'yichom. Malacha still is, however, that your mutter to get a benefit from Yisrael. Now, don't we come from Nayach? Absolutely. Right? There's Nayach, shame, chom, and yavas. We come from shame. So what's the idea? Gemara will explain. Okay. But it's mutter for Yisrael, v'asr b'yichom. We're not allowed to get benefit from a non-Jew. Says the Gemara, v'yisrael, v'yichom, 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 Ask the Gemara, Aren't Yidin children of Nayach too? Answers the Gemara, yes. But Kivan the Ikadish Avram, Iskru al incredible. Once Avram Avinu came around, guess what? We're no longer called B'nai Nayach. We now have a new name. We're rebranded. And better than ever. And now, B'nai Nayach refers to every other nation besides for Kal Yisrael. A Yid is a Ben Avram. Says the next Mishnah. If somebody says, there's all a hemshech, it's all a continuation, says the Gemara, She'eni Avram. If somebody makes a vow to refrain from benefit from children of Avraham, Aser Yisrael, Umutur Bledi 
You're not allowed to benefit from a Yid, but you could benefit from a Goyim. Let me ask you a question. Are there Goyim who are descendants of Avram Avinu? Absolutely. Avram Avinu had two children, Yitzchak and Yishma. So why are you permitted to uh, benefit from any guy? Same question we asked by Nayak, right? Why does it exclude Yid? We're asking over here is when you say, I'm not going to benefit from, from Zera Avram, why is it permitted to every guy? Ask the Gemara of uh, Ha'ika Yishmal. Yishmal wasn't Jewish. And he's the Zera Avram. He's the seed. He's a child of Avram. Answers the Gemara, true, however. Ki Yitzchak Who's called the seed of Avram, meaning a descendant, and only is children that come through Yitzchak, Siv, it is written. Okay? It's a beautiful... Since there's another Pesach that, that separates and says, granted, Yitzchak and Yishmael are both physical children of Avram, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Avram, only Yitzchak, Yikar Lechazaras. Therefore, when somebody makes a vow, Zera Avram, what did the Pesach say? Who's Zera Avram? Yitzchak! To the exclusion of Yishmael. Hence... You could still benefit from, from non-Jews. Even if they're descendants of Yishmael, there's no problem. Says the Gemara, uh-huh. okay, so let's keep going. You're telling me that any descendant of Avram and Yitzchak are called Zerah Avram. What about this week's parsha? Who's born? Esav. He ain't Jewish. Is he Jewish? He's not Jewish. People ask that question. Well, we weren't yet until Matan Right? But Klal Yisrael comes from, you have to come from all three, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And then you have the Shvatim, and that's where we come from. But as the Gemara, Esav comes from Yitzchak, so he, he should be called Zerah Avram, and you should have Avdekachavim, the nation of Edom, that should be included in this nether. Ask the Gemara, but what about Esav? Why aren't his descendants, Rome and Edom, why aren't they included? Answers the Gemara, because it says, Within Yitzchak, there's going to be Zerah. Who's that? Yaakov. Not all of Yitzchak is going to be a descendant. Beautiful. And this is, this is what we talk about as Yidin, right? We have, so we come from Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Hence, let's go back to the beginning of our Mishnah. Somebody says, I'm forbidding benefit from Zerah Avraham. You're forbidden to benefit from a Yid. You could benefit from every guy. Because Zerah Avraham, the Pasuk tells me, means not just Avraham, but Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. If you don't have these three, you're not called, you're not completely called Zerah Avraham within at least the expression that the Torah means it. Okay. Next Mishnah. She'eni nehenem Yisrael. Person says, I'm in Gavel, that I will not benefit from Yisrael. Okay. So that means, what does that mean? You're not going to benefit from a Yid. You pretty much cut yourself off from interacting with Yid, right? You think. So says the Mishnah, like Kayach be Yaiser, Umaycher be Pachis. All right. Vosmeint, what does this mean? What it means is, and I want you to catch me on this, if you want to make a lot of money, ready for this? Buy high, sell low, and make it up in volume. Doesn't make any sense, right? Buy high, sell low, make it up in volume. You're just going to lose more, right? You're buying high, you're selling low, and you just keep selling. Bite there, bite there, bite there. Sounds smart, but it ain't going to work. 
So it says the Mishnah, if you say I'm forbidding benefit, what you're allowed to do is buy high, if you, you could still make a sale to a Yid as long as you take a loss. Okay? So this is very common. This is very common. And this is very interesting too. The Gemara is going to get into this. This is, going to, this is a business Mishnah where um, any retail situation. Okay? So you buy, let's say you own a clothing store. A retail clothing store, you have to invest a lot of money in seasonal items. So you invest in these items, you pay less than the retail price, and the way you hope to make money is if you sell enough at the higher price, you could take a loss on everything that doesn't sell. Because that p- part of the reason why you have to raise your cost is because you don't know what's going to sell. So you're going to take a loss on everything that's sitting on your shelves after the season's over. That's a straight loss. So what do stores do towards the end of a season? They'll make a sale. They'll make a sale. Now that sale, they will try to at least get cost price or more. Now let me tell you something. If they get back cost price, that is called a profit. Because I raised money, follow, follow. I raised the money on the stuff I sold during the season. For everybody who wants their things earlier throughout the season. uh, Knowing I'm going to take a loss on other things. If you can sell at the end of the season your things at cost price, you know you walked away from the season as a whole as a profit. But if you have to now go into a 70, 80% discount, 60, 70, 60 or more, that's, that's, a, that's a loss. Now you say, listen, it's better than nothing. True. But we're still going to call that a loss. You understand? So let's translate this back into our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is saying, I forbid benefit from Yidin. The Mishnah says, I can sell my items to a Jew as long as it's a loss, but I can't sell it at cost price. You think cost price is no profit. It's still considered a gain. If you could get back your cost price, it's still considered a benefit. A loss, not a benefit, we're going to permit it. Okay? Understand? Beautiful. Okay. If he says, I'm making a, a vow that Yisraelim cannot benefit from me, like so he should buy less, and he could sell more, meaning Yisrael is not benefiting, you're charging more. And the uh, and also, however, um, people are not going to be shaymeah him. People are not going to uh, follow him. Why would they want to pay so much? All right? So the Mishnah is basically saying, Good luck having to charge so much that it's not considered any sort of benefit to the buyer. Why would somebody buy that? Okay. If a person says, I'm making a vow, I'm not going to benefit from it. They're not going to benefit from me. So then you're only allowed to go into business with You cannot sell to a yid at all. At all. Because at some, on, on some end, somebody's going to be benefiting. Okay? So let's take a step back and review this Mishnah outside. What did the Mishnah just say? The Mishnah says, if I forbid myself the benefit from a um, to receive benefit from a yid, I cannot sell anything at cost price or a profit. If I say that I'm forbidding a Yisrael to, to benefit from benefiting from me, 
So then, I can only sell at a very high price and good luck. If I say that there's, I'm not going to benefit at all, not from me, not from them, you can't, then the only business you're allowed to do is with a non-Jew. Okay. Says the Gemara. Amar Shmuel. Shmuel says, If a person purchases a kli, a vessel, from an uman, from a craftsman, levakroi, what is levakroi? You want to visit it. What does it mean to visit it? You want to check it out. So you have some guy who's selling uh, boutique items, and you're picking it up, yeah, and you're, you're looking at it, you're inspecting it. V'nenas biyodei. Chayov. Chavar, this is so choshev. This halacha, ready? You're in a supermarket, you're holding a jar of pickles, and the jar drops. You're chayev. Chayev. Now, some stores could be Michael. That's nice in the supermarket. The store will say, okay, don't worry about it, just take, it, take another one. If I drop something in a store, I'm obligated to pay. Just because I haven't bought it yet, doesn't mean anything. I dropped it, I pay. Alma, you see from here, Kosovar, Shmuel must hold when, you, when you're looking to buy something and you're the one who breaks it. He holds Hanoas like Keachu. That whenever you have a sale, it's for the Hana, it's for the benefit of the buyer. Because otherwise, why are we obligating you? If I'm only here for the seller and something happens, there's less reason to obligate me. I'm here to do you a favor. For the fact that we're saying, now, in, in a broader sense, in a broader sense, there's a rule that we find in other, it comes up in other Mesechtas. It's a fascinating rule. And that is that in general, we're not dealing with, again, retail stores where you're buying something specifically to sell. But the, as a general rule of sale, people don't want to sell their items. People buy items because they use them. And then they don't have enough money, so they need to sell those items. But generally speaking, the buyer is on the more, has more of an advantage than the seller. Again, we're not dealing with retail businesses, wholesale business manufacturers. What we're dealing with is human to human. That's what the Gemara is referring to. If, you say, if, you know, if uh, you're selling something from your home and I'm buying it, why are you selling it? Because you need the cash instead of the item. So I'm the buyer is benefiting. The seller has a hard time, really, just like I, like I have to give it up. So Shmuel's of the opinion that whenever there's a, whenever there's a, uh, a sale, it's the buyer's advantage to have it. And hence, if anything happens, uh, I'm the one who's chayef. Tanam, we learned in the Mishnah. She'en, if a guy says, Yisrael, I'm not going to benefit from Yisrael. The halacha is you could sell it at, at a loss. You can't sell it at cost price. The Hanas like Kayahu says Gemara, but I don't understand why not. If the advantage, if the gain is to the buyer, even if you should even be able to charge at cost price. So again, if I say if I say I'm forbidding benefit anybody from me, what did we nobody could benefit from me? We said you can only sell at a loss, you can't sell cost price, because that's called a benefit. Says Gemara, why is it called a benefit? You just told me that the buyer is the one benefiting, not the seller. See, if I sell at a cost price, that's still a loss to me, so I should be allowed to sell to him at cost price. Good kasha. And it's the Gemara. We're dealing with a case where you're right. No, the Gemara's answering you're right. Generally, you could sell at cost price, whatever it usually costs. But over here, we're dealing with a case where um, it's difficult to make that sale. It's difficult to make the sale. Why? Supply is high. So when there's high supply, then the advantage is to the 
seller for selling and not the buyer. Because the buyer could have gone anywhere. Why should I come to you? The fact that he's coming to you makes it that even cost price is a gain. Okay. It says, If that's the case, look at the beginning of the Mishnah. Like, if somebody says, uh, if somebody says that I'm forbidding benefit, he could, um, I'm forbidding benefit from me to you. Um, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm forbidding you from benefiting from me. Yeah, somebody says, like, to, no, another year cannot benefit from me. So what did he say? You can only sell to another yid at very high, very high prices. Because then they're not benefiting. So you might understand. Even if he pays a high price, there's still, a, you know, if, <laughs> there's still value over there. Okay? Um, and furthermore, I'm sorry, you don't even need to sell at a high price. It doesn't even need to be that. Because again, the guy could go anywhere. And furthermore, look at the end of the Mishnah. Somebody says, I'm forbidding you saw from benefiting from me. We said, you buy less and you can sell it at a high price. If we're done with a, a case of an item that it's difficult to sell, you shouldn't even be able to sell at cost price. Because you're benefiting. Not him. You're the one benefiting. No, no one wants this. So it's the seller's benefit, it's not the buyer. The buyer, again, could go anywhere. So Mara says, Seifa bezvina kharifa. The beginning of the Mishnah is dealing with low demand, and the Seifa of the Mishnah is dealing with a high demand. Ask the Gemara, Yachil, Akech, Bapachas, Afilu, Shava, Bishava. Fine. Well, if that's the case, that the Seifa is dealing with the, uh, a high demand, so the buyer really wants this, so you say, one second. I don't understand. So then the buyer is always having the advantage. Let him buy it. At even uh, at, at any price, doesn't matter. Answer the Gemara. Ella rather say top of Amud Beis Masnisim Bezvina Mitzvah Vidishmul Bezvina Chariva. Our Mishnah is dealing with something which uh, it's, we'll, we'll talk about. We'll, we'll uh, translate this as you know. Rashi says regular, like it's regular. Sometimes people need it. Sometimes they don't need it. Regular uh, retail item. With the Shmuel and Shmuel's case is where there is a very high demand in the market. We have a price approving Shmuel is correct. Somebody who buys vessels from a tagar. A tagar is somebody who's uh, you know, a, a wholesaler or retail, doesn't matter, a, a seller, a salesman. Uh, and this is what he wants to do. Listen to this case. It's Gishmak. A person buys something from a seller to go give a gift to his in laws. You go to your in laws for Shabbos, for Yom Tif, you want to send them a gift. The So he says to the seller, If they accept the gift, if my in-laws accept the gift, I'll pay for it. And if they don't want it, meaning I want to make sure they like it. It's kind of like, he, he wants an insurance policy on this. I'll sell it on condition, they, uh, I'll buy it on condition my in-laws want it. So you can go to my in-laws home, if they want the gift, I'll buy it full full price, regular price. If they don't want it, vimlav um, And if they don't want it, okay, I will still pay you. I will still pay you, but only Now what's taivasana? So like this: if somebody offers you a gift that you don't like, you still feel good. They sent you a gift. That's taivasana. That's taivasana. You're not going to pay the full value of the gift. Now, 
I mean, obviously, in a regular retail market, you're going to have to pay that. The guy doesn't care whether the, the recipient of your gift likes it or not. But ultimately, if you offer someone a gift, or somebody gives you a gift, and you don't need it. You don't need it. It's like people come to your house for Shabbos, whatever, and they'll give you something, and it's like, all right, I don't even know what to do with this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not happening. But they're still type of no. You still appreciate that they tried, that they thought about it. He says, if they, if they don't like it, I'm not going to pay you for the full value, but I'll give you type of because I still get a benefit that they know that I tried sending them something, or even I sent them something, but I'm not going to give you the full value because they don't really like it. So depending on how much they like it, that's how much I'll pay. It's kind of like you take a car for a test. What's it called? A lease to buy on a house. Right? Sometimes they do. Lease to buy. I don't want to buy the house yet. I want to get, right? Ultimately, if I don't want it, all right, see, you got less than you thought. Okay. Nensu, what happens if on the way the items break? On the way, during the delivery, the items break. It was an Inus. The is Chayev. The buyer has to pay the seller the full amount. Got it? Because there's an expectation that the in-laws will want it. But let's say it's on the way back from the in-laws' house. They didn't want to keep it. So then, Potter, he doesn't have to pay the full amount. Because the seller is, uh, because the, um, yeah, because the uh, buyer is considered a nice sacher. He is a Paid shimer, okay? A person who's paid shimer is, is um, potter on Einstein. He's not obligated on anything that happens, any sort of damage that happens that was unexpected. Ahu safsira, there was a safsira, a salesman, Tishako Hamara Lezvune Vlayazavin, who took his chamar, he took his donkey, Lezvune, to sell it, Vlayazavin, and it didn't end up selling. See, here's what happened. You know, this is, um, um, what, what would you call it? eBay, Craigslist, right? Where you put something for sale and then another entity tries to sell it for you. So you have a, you have a guy who's, call him Shimon. Ruvain wants to sell a donkey. Shimon says to Ruvain, come, I'll take your donkey and sell it on the market. And the donkey did not sell on the market. So now Shimon's returning the donkey back to Ruvain. Bahade Dahadar, on his way back to Ruvain's house, Idnis Hamara, there was a Aynis that happened to the, um, to the donkey. And Chayve Rav Nachman Lashalume. Rav Nachman obligated Shimon to pay Reuven back for the donkey. Esay Rav Rav Nachman. So Rav challenged Rav Nachman. And he says, Nensu Balicha Chayev. Listen, if an Aynis happens on the way there, so then you're Chayev. Bachazara, butter. And so over here, why are you obligating him? Here the donkey didn't sell, it's on the way back. Why are you obligating Shimon for paying Reuven? Amalei says to him, Chazara de Safsira Hilachi. When Shimon is bringing it back to Reuven, that itself is considered Hilacha of the case where the guy wanted to send a present to his in laws. Why? To Ilu Mishkach, because if you would find Lizavune, a seller, in the market for the donkey, Afilu Abava de Beisei, even coming up to his house, surely he would have sold it. In other words, he's saying like this, when Shimon's on his way back to Ruvain's house, let's say somebody would come along and say, hey, by the way, you know, people put for sale signs in their car window, right? So 
This donkey's for sale. Even if he's on the way back to Ruben's house, if a potential buyer would walk up and say, hey, I would like to buy that donkey, he would certainly sell it. Hence, the, this Shimon guy, this, the, the guy who's trying to sell on behalf of Ruben, whether he's on his way to the market, whether he's on his way back from the market, it's all considered to the market. Because as soon, until it's actually back in Ruben's domain, he's looking for a sale. And since it's always considered a halacha, that's why Rav Nachman obligated him. Beautiful. All right. Period. End of that Gemara. Next. A person says, I'm forbidding benefit from anybody who is in RL. What's an RL? Somebody who still has their foreskin. Okay? Now I'm going to ask you a question. If you have, ready for this? Listen closely. You have a non-Jew with a circumcision. Is he considered an RL? Interesting, right? He doesn't have a foreskin, but he doesn't have a kosher bris. So here we go. Kainom sha'ani nenel arelim. I forbidding benefit from anybody who is an RL. Mutter ba'arle Yisrael. You could still benefit from a Yid who has a, a foreskin. This week's parsha, Chaim Kanievsky points out that it says in the pasuk, "Vikarish vikaru shumai Esav." They all called him Esav. It says because Esav never had a bris milah. When does a when does a child get his name? On the eighth day at a bris milah. But Yaakov says vikarei. His parents called him Yaakov. Esav never got his name from his parents. You know that Yitzchak and Rivka? I, I don't know what they called him, but his name, they never gave him the name Esav. The name Esav came from people around. They saw that he came out ready-made, Asoy, right? He came out ready-made. He was all hairy and he had red skin. He was, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bovan, you know, as soon as he came out, uh, uh, you know, full-form kid over here. So everybody else called him Esav. The Medrash says... Because when he was born, they, um, they were concerned that because of his redness, he had a illness that he wouldn't stop bleeding. So they were waiting for it to go away until they could do it. Sakonis uh, It would be dangerous for him to have a bismila. And then it stayed and it stayed and it stayed. And at a certain point, they realized that he's just red-skinned. But, at, but when, um, at that point already, he was old enough, I'm not sure exact what age the Medjur doesn't say, he was old enough to stop them, and Esav refused to have a brismila. So Esav never had a brismila, and his name just came from, uh, from what people called him. Bottom line, according to our Mishnah, is that if I say somebody who doesn't, who's an RL, we say, any Yid you're not allowed to benefit from, because this is the expression, a Yid is not an RL, and a, and a person who's not Jewish is, is, uh, has a, the name of an RL, even if he has a brismila. Okay, so Mutter Bareli Yisrael, he's permitted to benefit from an Arl of Yisrael. However, you're not allowed to benefit from circumcised Goyim. You're not allowed to benefit from circumcised They're not Arelim, they're called Arelim. Even with a circumcision. Okay. Somebody says, I'm making a vow from benefiting from Mulim, from anybody who has a brismila. Usher Bareli Yisrael. So he didn't just say the, the name of Arelim. He says from anybody who literally has a brismila. So Allah is going to be Usher Bareli Yisrael. You're not allowed to benefit from an Arel who's Jewish, a, Jew, a Jewish uh, guy who doesn't have a brismila. You're allowed to have a, have a um, benefit from a circumcised guy. 
because you're dealing with the action of the foreskin. It's the, the not the action, the 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 reality of the foreskin being there. And if the foreskin's not there, so it's not an arla as far as that's concerned. Okay. She'ein ha'arla karoi elo The the expression of arl is an expression that's used for non-Jews. That's expression used for non-Jews. More than the foreskin itself, it's referring to members, non-members of Klal Yisrael. Where do you see that? Shinamar, as it says in the Pasuk, all the Goyim, the nations of the world, are Arelim, and Beis Yisrael, and the house of Yisrael, Arelev. Arelev just means they don't have an Arel on their heart. So they don't have an open heart. The Yomer, and the Pasuk also says, this Plishti who's an Arel. So again, another Pasuk, referring to a non-Jew as using the word Arel. The Yomer, if, if not for the girls of the Plishtim being happy, let the, the daughters of the Arelim as well be happy. So we're using an expression of Plishtim being Arelim. The, the Arla, the foreskin, is Maus, is, is um, disgusting. Be, and how do you know this? Because it's an expression that the verses use to put down wicked people. All the goyim are arelims. He says you should know this expression, call it, it's a not nice word, so to speak. It's a negative thing. It's a negative thing. When you use this in, 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 uh, in vocabulary, call somebody an arel, it's a, very, it's, it's a very negative connotation. Okay. Here we go. Says the Gemara. We're now going to get into some beautiful drushes as we wrap up the Mishnah, and this is going to lead us into some incredible and um, incredible, incredible Gemaras until the end of the parak. So here we go. Says the Mishnah, Bishmol, Bishmol says, Gedayla Mila, the mitzvah of Mila, Bris Mila, is incredible, is great. There were 13 promises uh, that were made through the mitzvah of Bris Mila. Rabbi Yaisi, Gedayla, Mila Shleiches, Shabbos, Hamura, Mila so great that it pushes off the laws of Shabbos, right? How does it push off the laws of Shabbos? If the eighth day of Mila falls out on Shabbos, you do the bris Mila, even though it's a cut, it's going to draw blood. We don't usually do that on Shabbos, but it's greater, it's even greater than Shabbos. All right. In that, in that context, at least. Rabbi Yaisi, Aymer, Rabbi Yaisi, Gedayla, Mila, Shabbos, Rabbi Shuba Karchaimer, Rabbi Shuba Karchaimer says, Mila, Mila's Gavaldik, Mila's so great, Shalai Nitla, Maisha Tzadik, Allah. Because Maisha Rabbeinu, even he was not saved about Prismila, Melaisha, even for a short amount of time. This is referring to a Maisha was coming back to Mitzrayim. And he waited to give his child a Prismila because the traveling and on their way back, the Malach came and, and wanted to uh, kill Eliezer, the, his, his son, until Tzipayrachat. And they do it a, a quick bris. Rebbe Chemia says, Even Mila overrides a nega. It overrides tzaras. If there's tzaras on the foreskin, you still cut it off. Usually you're not allowed to cut off tzaras. Rebbe says, All the mitzvahs that he performed were not, did not have a shleimus. Were not called complete mitzvahs until he actually ultimately circumcised himself. He hit it, so all of the mitzvahs that Amrita did his whole life never had a shleimus, never reached its completion until he had a milah. That kind of like wrapped every, uh, all the mitzvahs 
up and, and gave it a, a shleimah. Shenemar, as it says, his halech lefanai, walk in front of me, the Rabbi Shalom says, samim, and then you will be complete. This is when Hashem commands Avram Avinu uh, to fulfill the mitzvah of Brismila. He says, when you do that, you'll walk before me in a complete fashion. Until then, none of the mitzvahs and connection that we have is a complete connection. Dabar Acher. Another limud is Gedayla Mila. Mila is incredible. Sheolmalehi. If not for the, if not for Bris Mila, like Barak Adish Baruch Hu Eshalamai. If not for Bris Mila, Adish Baruch Hu wouldn't have created the entire world. Shenamar, as it says, Kayamar Hashem. So says Hashem. Imlay Barisi Yaman Balayla. If not for my Bris, that applies day and night. When after a person has a Bris Mila, guess what? You have a mitzvah every moment. You're circumcised every minute. You have a second. You have a Bris Mila. It's a mitzvah, day, night, no matter where you are, it's a mitzvah you have, it's constant mitzvah, right? I never would have established the heavens and the earth. If not for this constant mitzvah of bris milah, that's how great it is. Okay, here we go. Zog the Gemara. Tanya, we learned in a b'risa. Rabbi Shuban Karchai, Rabbi Shuban Karchai says, G'day Lamila. Mila is givaldik, is incredible, is great. All of the tremendous merits of Maishu Rabbeinu almost flew away and did not protect him when he did not give his son a bris Mila on time. Shenemar, as it says, Hashem, Hashem encountered him by and he sought to kill him. There's the Malach, the story that we said, they're coming back to Mitzrayim, Eliezer. The Malach sought to kill, kill Moshe, you know, man, he's chosim, he has, standing up for Klau Yisrael, incredible, everything. He didn't get, come back to Mitzrayim, but he had to run away from Bara, he's saving Yidin, he's, he's already out there amongst his brothers. Didn't stand by him until he did Brismila, all of a sudden, Brismila, everything left, he's, he had Shlemus. Omar Rabbi Rabbi says, Chas v'sholem, Chas v'sholem to say that Moshe Rabbeinu willingly Held off Mila, El Amar, but I'll tell you what ended up happening. I'll, I'll tell you what really happened in that story. Maish Rabbeinu said, Amul the Eitze. I'm really stuck here. Because Hashem came to him at the bush and said, Maisha, you got to go back to Mitzrayim. When God says something, you do it. The problem is, he had a mitzvah of Brismila on his son. He says, What should I do? Give my kid a Brismila, the Eitze, and then start traveling? You can't do that. Sakonahi. You, 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 you can't expect a kid to survive properly, you know, or to, to be able to, to handle a journey right after his bris milah. It's a sakana. Now, how do you know it's dangerous to travel within a few days of a bris milah? as it says, it was on the third day, when there was a lot of pain. This is referring to the story with Shimon and Levi by Shechem, they went and they fought them, they, they went and they got them on the third day, because they knew that it was, it was by Shechem, that they're not going to be able to fight back on the third day, okay? So, Maish Rabbeinu was like, what should I do? Give Brismila now and then travel? Mm, not, it's, it's not good for my kid. Emol, should I do a Brismila of Eshesh Maybe I should wait, four, wait, wait till the fourth day after the Brismila, and then travel? Hmm. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Omar, HaKadosh Baruch already told me, Leich Shuv Mitzrayim, go. What am I going to do? Not listen to God? He told me to go now. I need to go. So I have a problem. I have a dilemma. I can't go because of my kid. I need to go because the Rabbani Shalom tells me to go. And that, therefore, what did he start? He started traveling. He started traveling. He says, listen, you listen to Hashem. <laughs> so I go, go. When's it going to be done? I don't know. But I, just, I know I can't do it now. 
says, ask the Gemara one second. So Maisha seems to have done the right thing. So why is Maisha Rabbeinu ultimately punished? What did he do wrong? He didn't willingly hold this off. Answers the Gemara, top of tomorrow's daf. Because when it became time to do the brismila, on that day, he was first concerned with which hotel he's going to stay in. And then he was going to get around to do the brismila. It was on his way to the hotel that all of a sudden the Malach comes to him, they encounter each other, and basically what they were saying is, Yala, now, 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 now you have no excuse. You're ready by the, near the hotel. You're not gonna, it's not going to be dangerous for your kid to be traveling. Rav Shem Ben Gamliel says, You should know that the Satan did not try to kill Maisha. That's not what, what, what the threat was. The threat that happened was to the child. Shinamar, as it says, Ki chasan domim atoli. You are the chasan of blood. Chasan means the, like the groom, the husband of the domim atoli. You are to me. What does that mean? Go and see. Mi kare chasan. Who's called a chasan? Heavy aimer ze hatinik. This is referring to the tinik. Why? Because the same way a chasan comes together with a kala through a agreement, through a bris, or building a relationship. It's the child himself receiving the bris milah that enters into the marriage with the Rabbi Shlaylam. So when the Pasuk says, Ki chasan damim atali, who's the Malach talking to? Says You're the chasin of the damim. Who's he referring to? Eliezer. He's not talking to Maisha. So he's actually arguing on Maisha. Now he's not arguing on the idea of how great Mila is. But we said Mila is so great that even Maisha's chasin wouldn't stand by him. His life was in danger until he did bris milah. Shingamil was pointing out, he says, it wasn't Maisha's life that was in danger. I disagree. I really, I, I'm agreeing with the concept, but, I, but what, who, I, who really was in danger was Eliezer, Maisha Rabbeinu Sam, because it's the one receiving the bris milah who's called the chasim. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. We're up to Darash of Yehuda Barbizna. Bez Hashem, we will pick up from here on Matzei Shabbos. Have a good Chaydesh and a wonderful, fantastic Shabbos, everybody.